the Pro Tools Expert podcast with Mike Thornton, Julian Rogers, and Alan Salabank. Welcome to the Pro Tools Expert podcast number 347. It's the 27th of November 2018. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Alan Salabank. And I'm Julian Rogers. Michael Carnes from Exponential Audio has now shared four tips with our podcast community. Check out our article, Expert Reverb Tips and Tricks, from the reverb maestro Michael Carnes at Exponential Audio, in which we bring together the first three tips Michael has already produced for our podcast community. And now the latest tip, using the compressor to make level-sensitive reverb, as there's a compressor expander built into the warp page of the second-generation reverbs. Check out the link in the podcast notes. And deals are, friends at Sonox, are running an unmissable deal for the whole of November. They're offering 50% off very nearly all their excellent plugins and bundles. Check out the exact details on our deals page. And also during November, our friends at Lexicon are offering big discounts on all of their plugins. You could get a genuine Lexicon reverb for as little as $29.95. And don't forget to check out the deals from our partners on the deals page. Yeah, we've still got some sort of Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals, although a lot of them will have finished by the time you hear this podcast, but some are carrying on till about November the 30th. So do check the page uh, to see what's still going. Okay, let's move on to our talking points, and these are sponsored by Universal Audio. Good morning, children. This is Fab DuPont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast talking points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Did you know that the team at Universal Audio are offering you the chance to build your own custom plugin bundles of 3, 6 or 10 plugins from one low price and save over 60%? Just pick your bundle option and then choose your plugins. It's that simple. You can find out more at the link in the podcast notes. Okay, first talking point uh, was another one of Russ's... Um in-house we call them Russ's rants anyway it's no longer in-house <laughs> now is it <laughs> but uh, really interesting article that's uh, needs a proper read uh, he says how bullshit took over the recording industry and why critical thinking matters uh, yeah the amount of stories and claims that just don't have any foundation in reality shall we say um winds me up somewhat and <laughs> you know people just prophesying prophesying um prophesying no uh, proffering that's where, proffering. I think where i'm going oh, yes um theories uh, without actually backing them up with some testing and some checking um and it's interesting when he talked about the, the official definition for critical thinking uh it's not what I thought it was. He says it's the practice of asking questions to discover answers about a subject. Um, and uh, that really sort of, yeah. what Science, basically. Well, yes, proper science yes. with research to, and, and experiments to prove or disprove a theory rather than just talking about it like I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, what do we think about this? Well, it's it's something that's been going on in our industry, especially if you include home entertainment as well, for, oh, yeah. since it started. <laughs> you know, so I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I bought, I, uh, back in 1989, I bought a CD player by Yamaha, and it had this little button on the front of it which um, switched in a, a a secondary filter on the output or ramped up the oversampling or took something out of circuit. Basically, it switched a red LED on next to the button. So, um, and the people in the hi-fi shop swore blind they could tell the difference. Uh, I obviously couldn't, but, uh, you know, I just sort of took it by as read that they they could they they could somehow do it, and we never got around to doing a double blind test hmm. to see whether they could actually do it. But um, yeah, there, there was the late eighties, early nineties hi fi was just absolutely full of this stuff, hmm. which people just said, "Oh yeah, no, it's digital, isn't it? Okay, it must be better," which was the the classic one that you you always got. But um, 
I don't know. I, sometimes I find that people will, especially in the creative side of the industry, will shy away from critical thinking because they don't feel like they've got either the time or the um, right type of brain to do so. They'd far rather take somebody else's word for it than actually have to bother about thinking it through for themselves. I think I think that that philosophy has has merit because obviously we can't all be super whiz experts in every last thing. Uh, what I've uh, picking up on that point, I think one of the things that has started to worry me quite significantly um, is uh, research that uh, watching a documentary. Uh, no, I was listening to a podcast documentary uh, about how the media is changing uh, mainly in the, with this particular one was about the US and where people what what sources of information people feel are trustworthy and the outcome of that uh, discussion was people no longer feel that traditional news sources the people who research uh, who uh, get second sources for everything who uh, yeah, do do their homework. Journalists, um, they don't feel they're trustworthy. They will they get their trustworthy information from Twitter and Facebook. And yeah, that's. I mean, that's scary, frankly. Yes, it is certainly because I mean you've got. Uh, well, I mean this is the way that I mean. <laughs> okay, we've got to be really careful here because we've yeah. got to start start saying about. Um, yeah, well, you're gonna you start trusting some blogger, <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> um, but pri- the, the magazine Private Eye has been making this point for quite a few years. Ever since uh, certain uh, mainstream news outlets have started um, using bloggers over trained, qualified journalists, mm. um, so y- you are getting this sort of thing where if a celebrity says something, or even a star of the genre or what have you, um, if they say something, then it must be true. But, uh, I mean, many years ago, I was approached by uh, a manufacturer to become a product evangelist. Um, And that, to me, was just a sort of extension of the bullshit taking over the industry, and I didn't feel comfortable doing it myself, so I never never took it on. But um, certainly, I think, I, I I definitely think that um, th- this is something that sort of needs to be approached. Uh, broached, but the the problem is, who then do you trust to give you the scientific aspect? Who who's who's who is genuinely unbiased? Who's going to give you the actual facts rather than their opinion? Well, um, as the editor of the production expert, or certainly <laughs> for the production expert sites, I would say. We still do our damnedest to make sure that what we put out is fact-checked. It is second-sourced. I will not uh, post something that I can't get the confirmed information from from at least another source. So if I've only got one source for it, we won't publish it. Uh, There's you know, and and it's it is those those simple elements of. journalistic integrity but then when it comes to you know testing that's why you'll see a lot of our articles now are, are all based on testing something mm-hmm. um for for example we ran a a, a series audrey uh, put together uh, two part two articles about testing warm audio mics against the equivalent mic they were um sort of based on pretended to be uh and it was very interesting when we published the first article uh we posted all the examples unidentified and asked people to uh point out which ones they preferred uh and it was very interesting in many respects it was a very close run thing there were occasions when the original did got a higher proportion of the votes and there were times when the warm audio one did and certainly when you consider the price differential between the originals and the warm audio ones 
there is even those in the times when the the original perhaps did slightly better it was always tended to be no better than a 60 40 ratio so we're not talking like complete you know runaway uh, obvious candidate and that for what we can offer over the internet is uh, as near as we can get to blind testing um because you don't the key thing is you know if you're testing something and you know which is the one um then it's biased it's not a valid test so again we try and make sure that we do uh, we do this sort of testing so that when we make a claim that it's it's backed up i've been quiet but um, I've just been thinking about, um, I mean, there are wider points in here, absolutely, but I'm sort of taking it back to audio. And um, this reminds me of something that I was saying on a, a couple of podcasts ago. I can't remember exactly which one where I was talking about how people um, owe it to themselves, uh, myself included, to, 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 to talk about and think about stuff, um, uh, well, no, to, to do and to try stuff at least as much as we talk about and think about stuff. Yeah. So they're both mm. really important, and one I don't think can exist without the other. If you never think about what you're doing or or take on the opinions of others, and you only do, then you you're going to end up in a in a rut quite quickly. And you need to broaden stuff out. But if you never try this stuff, you can end up believing stuff that simply isn't true. Mm. And I'm trying to think of some examples, and there are quite a few actually. I mean, something that comes comes to mind straight away is: Do you remember a certain microphone preamp test that we did on the site oh, a yes. little while ago? And was it on vocals? I believe I can't remember the. I, I'd need to look it up to remember exactly what was running into what. But I remember the. I think winner. we did. I think we did speech. I think there was a cello involved and something else. If memory mm. serves me right, but yeah. I do remember who the sure. winner was. Yeah, the punchline on this on one of these tests uh, in amongst a lot of. Big ticket preamps. We're talking kind of like four figures per channel preamps on one. T- and it was a significant test. It was something like kind of like male vocals or something. You know, mm. I mean, not not kind of mm. like you know, on I don't know piccolo or something. You know, um, and it was uh, an inbox three yeah. one. Yeah, and that's kind of not not something that you would imagine would happen. But when you test it, you know, I mean, it was the the. It wasn't. It wasn't overwhelming the victory, but it was a victory, and it was as strong as any of the other victories. So you know what I mean. It's kind mm. of there's there's food for thought in there. Another one that really comes to mind is I can. This is years ago, but it was a conversation with a colleague, and uh, there's probably some students involved. But it was with the the colleague in particular. I remember, and somebody who kind of you know we used to talk about this stuff all the time, and we were talking about the significance of power amplifiers in PA systems. And uh, it was uh, really, I was thinking about a friend of mine who many years ago um, respect his whole rig, good quality rig. And um, I uh, conveniently, I've forgotten what he, what he got. Camco? I believe they're Camco amplifiers. He got Vortex 6, I believe it was. Very high power, like 6K amplifiers. Um, and uh, spent significant sum on these amps. And then heard somebody running the same cabinets as him running lab group and amplifiers and went, oh, no. And I said, what's wrong? I said, I'm going to have to sell my amps and get some of these. And he, he ended up selling his amps at, at a loss and then spending a, a, quite a bit more cap. But the thing is, it was like he'd heard the difference. Now, that wasn't an AB. And I told this story to this um, colleague of mine. And he said, really? Was it that big? And we we went and tried it with what we had to hand. And uh, it wasn't some fantastic gear, but it was a decent-sized PA system in a good-sized room. Um, luckily, it was all passive. And uh, we set up uh, identical paths, moved a couple of top boxes next to each other, stood an appropriate distance away, and powered one side through one flavour of amplifier and one side through another. And the difference was astonishing. I mean, I expected a difference. He he wasn't expecting a significant difference. He thought, yeah. You know, amplifiers and amplifier, you know, and as long as you're not running it outside of its, you know, operating range, then differences I'm not expecting to be all that much to write home about. And he was gobsmacked by the difference. I also was I expected a difference, but not as much as that. It was extraordinary. They were similarly rated, similarly similar budget, you know, middle market, decent quality amplifiers. Amazing. Basically try stuff and then see if you still believe what you started out thinking, but you have to be honest with yourself about it. 
I've got some other uh, other ones actually, but um, go for it. Uh, something that I was thinking about was I was thinking about the place where we all owe it to ourselves to do this is within our DOWs, just because it's so easy to do. My favourite one was, and this is this is a great one for if you have uh, a control surface, um, is uh, because of that you can hit two buttons at once at the same time, and you can easily just hit two hit. Um, uh, hit solos at the same time and, and alternate mm. the states and, and, and compared to different things or hit bypasses um, and swap states. But this is where uh, crossover solo mode gets really useful and you can set this stuff stuff up very easily, comparing two alternate channels mm-hmm. and two alternate signal paths or something like that. But if you just want to compare plugins, which yeah. – some do sound profoundly different to each other, but an awful lot of them that you'd imagine would sound different to each other. Actually, if you run them up, there's not that much in it. I mean, there's an awful lot of very similar levels of performance out of stuff, as long as you kind of match stuff match stuff carefully. Uh, and a great little shortcut for that is uh, in Pro Tools, um, just to instantiate one plugin for comparison in the uh, on its own in the A to E slots. And then the other one uh, somewhere in F to J. And then just by hitting uh, shift and two and three at the same time, uh, with one of them bypassed and one of them not bypassed, you can toggle the states of them and do a real, really good AB seamless comparison. It's a really nice way of mm. working, something I do all the time. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work for um, for sends. This is something I'm going to have to figure out, but, but uh, um, shift four... Um, toggles, uh, mutes, sends A to E. And uh, having looked it up, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's got to be Shift 5 for F to J, but it doesn't seem to be working in Pro Tools 2018. I have a vague recollection that there was a conflict in those shortcuts, uh, but I'm not... The, yeah, the, I, when you were talking about sends F to J, it yeah. just rang a, 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 a bell. Some is not happening there, which is a shame, because you can't do the same thing with with. Um, with sends, which is a which is a shame because I would if you could because it's a really useful way for comparison, for level matching and just a being all this stuff I'm doing is it actually better? And uh, it, I've learned a great deal about about plugins and uh, comparative differences between them by using that. There's a similar thing for Studio One. Studio One users, um, uh, I I ran a tutorial recently showing how you can do this using macros and you can do this uh, this this workflow. It's a really nice. Um, uh, adaptation uh, of doing stuff. So yeah, that, that one went quite recently. But anyway, like I say, just try this stuff. Oh, another really good one was a thing that I did. I've been trying to get hold of one of the reissue U67s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can't because Neumann are making them and everybody everybody who can afford <laughs> such things loves them and they're buying them. And Neumann very wisely aren't letting people like me borrow one that they could sell to somebody for money, which is Fair enough. I respect that completely. Um, however, um, uh, Kevin, with his Blackbird connection, um, does have access to things like that, and they've got some of them. And I, I asked him to uh, to do like a mono overhead thing recently. I, I, I ran a thing where I was comparing something. Um, I wanted him to use a TLM-103 just because I have a TLM-103, and I thought it'd be a nice kind of like neutral... Neumann large diaphragm condenser against which to compare it when I got the one I was going to be using, but that's yet to happen. But uh, mm-hmm. apparently Blackbird don't have a TLM-103, which I feel rather proud of, the fact that I've got a <laughs> mic Blackbird don't, but they do have a U67. So he, he ran up against a TLM-107, which is yeah, very similar microphone, mm. um, over, over a kit. And it was really interesting just because every fibre of my being really wanted to prefer the U67. And, uh, and it did for the this particular drum part was um, was quite Tom heavy and it was just there wasn't any cymbals in the way for that. The TLM, I mean, the U67 sounded absolutely gorgeous. But then it swapped over onto quite a dark, I haven't seen the drum, I suspect. It sounded to me a bit, a bit like a crash ride when those kind of in-betweeny cymbals. And... Absolutely wrong, and the TLM one hundred and seven was way better. And having to go, yeah, the <laughs> the mic that's a sixth the price and not nearly as exclusive and desirable actually on this sounds a ton better. You know, it's exactly the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And of that's course, the, thing. We could, the expensive one do, doesn't necessarily win. You can do as ma- as many shootouts as you like, but if the 
source is not suited to the mic that you're doing the shootout with, it's never going to sound good anyway. But and and that's the thing. It's all about also. It's it's not just about testing. It's appropriate testing uh, as well. So you wouldn't um, you wouldn't stick up a, an SM57 to record ADR. It's just the, completely the wrong type of microphone. Well, so I certainly there would be absolutely but... no, there's absolutely no. Point. <laughs> There's absolutely no point in even putting that into that that shoot off if we're talking about using it for that purpose. So I mean, it, it's it, it, it quite often you you see um, things reviewed in such a way that it, it is completely wrong for what's being what is being reviewed. Um, you know, you could look at some of the motoring shows, you know, where they take the car around the test track. Um, you know, are you going to be able to even doing a quarter of that speed on the on the in in real life? Yeah, it's going you know, to be very roads? nice, but is that relevant? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And but the thing is, that colours our critical thinking. We get wrapped up in the romantic gesture of what it's supposed to promise and what it's supposed to deliver, and that clouds how we think about what it's actually doing. Um, you know, I think it's. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's so much information out there nowadays that people get overloaded and fatigued really easily. So when you had, you know, just a couple of choices of television to buy, it was very easy just to stick one up against another in a TV showroom and go, which one do you like the look of better? Okay, I like that one. Um, Whereas now, um, yeah, I just bought a new TV for the studio recently, there's about 10 different brands mm. that all offer is seemingly exactly the same specification within £10 of each other price-wise. I mean, what do you choose? Who do you trust? I mean, do you trust your own eyes or what? And that's quite a good example just because um, while there might be 10, let's, I mean, there's probably there's an awful lot more than that, but however many different brands of television manufacturer, there's rather fewer um, television panel display panel yes. manufacturers yeah, actual and figuring yeah. out what the differences are between these and there's a really good parallel for this in the world of microphones where um, if you're talking for example budget condensers um, if uh, are we talking uh, are we talking imported Chinese capsules which there's nothing wrong with but you know what I mean they're all kind of made in the same mm. place then we've got rebadged OEM gear that's there's loads and loads of that kind of stuff and there's a certain amount of convergence that goes on in manufacturing, well, that, in pinch points, where kind if you of go, like, go if on? you go back to the late eighties, then all yeah, the, all the CD players were made by about I think two or three different manufacturers. Yes, um, most of them were made by you know the the inners were by Philips. Uh, mainly because they had the, the patent on it anyway. Mm. But, um, you know, you, you could go into the, a showroom, a Bang & Olufsen showroom, and be absolutely blown away by their kit and then take the lid off the top of it and find Hitachi badges all over You'd actually been blown away by the thickness of their carpet and their cool designer. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. So uh, there's probably a better example than microphones, actually, which would be uh, digital-to-analog and analog-to-digital converters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they're not something that you can knock up in a uh, in, no, in a shed. about three chips. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's when people sort of say, "How? Yeah, you know, what do you think, compare the sound of one particular interface to the sound of another interface?" And the reality is, most of these interfaces have got the same basic D to A and A to D converters because there are a hand, essentially a handful of chips that most people will use. Yeah, you can get you can get to the point where people are using very specialist electronics. Um, when you get to the high end, but certainly most of the sort of low to medium uh, brand uh, band of, of models and price points, they're going to be using the same chipsets. So the difference is down to quality of drivers and what's on the back panel. Yes. Um, so, but but I think it's interesting. You're you, when you were talking, Julian, about the the TLM TLM one hundred seven versus the U67, it just reiterates that even in the same room, uh, same setup, there is one type of content for which a microphone performs, one microphone performs better, a different item, different microphone. So again, it's, oh, well, I always use XYZ microphone. 
we we all tend to get there because it's a shortcut it's a microphone that we trust we rely on and so we'll go for it but it, again it's that sort of i haven't got time to check to make all these uh, tests because especially these days budgets tied t- that means time is tightened we have to go with something that we can trust it may not be the best ever but it's going to work for us and, and this and the these kind of and this kind of positive feedback loop. If you always use something and then it works, you remember the times when it works, and you go, "Oh, yep. it's brilliant! That works every time." You maybe pay less attention to the times when it's less than I do because you don't know because you didn't try the alternative. Yeah. And this is this is where I mean I, I'll come back to it kind of humorously, but uh, the things that I've said in the past about SM57s aren't about SM57s being bad. It's about how mm. people think of them and how people approach them. Of like, oh, use that. It worked. It must be brilliant. It's like, yeah, and other stuff but would have been else brilliant might be too. That's all. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. We uh, um, that's I think that's called an echo chamber, isn't it? And that can uh, <laughs> have all kinds of unpleasant and undesired side effects. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Standing wave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we'll move on at this point. Uh, Julian, uh, competitions. Production Expert has teamed up with Latvian microphone manufacturers JZ Microphones to bring you the chance to win a stunning JZ Black Hole BH1S. I always want to call that BHS1, but BHS means something very different to people in the UK. Indeed. <laughs> or used to. This mm. multi-pattern condenser mic is worth over £1,400 and could be yours. Follow the link in the podcast article. Okay, second talking point. Um, we talked to you tonight uh, on the uh, cl- uh, towards the end, certainly here in the UK, uh, of uh, Cyber Monday. And uh, anybody who's been visiting the site and probably just about anywhere or has looked at their email in the past uh, few days has been well aware of um, a good number of offers, shall we say, for uh, various things on Cyber Friday. Cyber Friday, yeah, this is the, that's where no, that, that, I rest Monday. my case. <laughs> there yeah, <we> go. <laughs> Cyber Friday and Black Monday. Um, and uh, I just wondered whether we just explore around our virtual table and see whether any of us uh, partook in the offers that have been uh, thrust into our inboxes at a fast rate of knots. So, I mean, um, it was a bit odd for me this time because uh, I thought the whole point of Black Friday is it's the last Friday in the month before Christmas, so it's payday Friday and all that sort of stuff. But this Black Friday is a week before most people's payday. Yes. Um, but uh, it happened to coincide with my wife's birthday. Oh, very nice. So, well, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, detail. Well, you can't really... Go, yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah, my wife is lovely. She was being very... She was saying, oh, if you want to hold off until the actual Friday itself to buy me some presents so you get better value for money, then you, then you find yourself thinking, well, yeah, of course, you save some money, get some better value for money, but then isn't that being a bit cheap? Um, especially for the the one you love. Um, so it, it's uh, so. I mean, I actually we didn't end up taking advantage of much at all. And to be honest, it was a bit of a damp squib for us. Um, I, I there's there's only one thing I bought for the studio, and that's because there was a really big discount on it, and that was the Editor Keys um, portable studio booth. Uh-huh. Which is, um, and I mainly bought it because it's got a rock solid mic stand comes with it as well. I do um, believe that was one of the items that I put in their Black Friday deal story here on Production <laughs> Expert. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I took advantage of that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I haven't had a chance to try it out yet because it's still in the box because uh, it only arrived about two hours ago. So um, I will let you know how that got on. But mm. uh, that was one of the best deals I saw out there. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It says there's certain manufacturers who seem to always have a sale. Um, and I didn't seem to think, I didn't seem to, Personally, I didn't find anything that was that spectacularly cheaper than what you were able to get before. But. Yeah, I think there was a lot of that going on. I have to say, we bought uh, one uh, item which we've been looking at getting. We wanted to get a new uh, colour printer that would do A3 double-sided. Um, mm-hmm. Sal mm-hmm. does quite a lot of music, 
and to be able to print uh, and to scan at A3. Uh, oh, we're going to have to talk about this, Mike, because my my printer's just broken and I missed <laughs> I missed a deal. I looked up a deal yesterday and I found an A3 colour printer because obviously Maxine is a visual artist and does lots and lots mm-hmm. of stuff and would like to be able to do small runs of prints. And, and uh, yeah... I, I I looked I looked again today and this particular thing had gone up um, from 50% to, off to about 30% off. Well, I've managed to get through about two of those in the last five years because they've been doing a lot of work with my wife's posters and stuff like that. And the, <laughs> the, 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 the ideal companion product for that, Mike, is an A3 laminator. Uh, oh, we have that. that. We have that already. I'm oh, afraid. You have, holy, <laughs> you have the you have the holy grail of the station oh, yes. world. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, but what we chose to do was we looked around at the offers, and then uh, I went on the Witch website. It's the Consumer Association here in the UK. Do a lot of independent consumer uh, products, both white goods, electronics, garden stuff, all sorts. And uh, went on, uh, before we decided to plumb for this particular special offer, which was for an Epsom workspace 1570, if memory serves me right. There's a great big box in the hall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, Amazon was where we went. uh, And, okay, we thought, before we go for this, we'll check the witch reports and... I was very pleased, shall we say, when Witch had it as their best buy when I filtered out, you know, know, in terms of we wanted A3, we wanted double-sided, we wanted a document feeder. Um, It was the best one there was. So that was was well worth doing. But again, it wasn't just being um, uh, sold the the special offer. Oh, we're saving so much money, therefore it's got to be a good deal. It's only saving Mm. money if it's something you were going to buy anyway which we had intended to buy an A3 double-sided printer. The other thing that I've bought, uh, which was on special offer, and I've been sort of toying with getting one, um, and that was the Elgato Stream Deck, um, which is basically 15 buttons. But you can, unlike most, as we've talked about in the podcast many times before, I don't like pressing buttons on glass, uh, your touchscreen. I like pressing real buttons. uh, And... But one of the problems with most of the devices that we can use is the buttons uh, have printed labels, uh, so you've, you're kind of constrained somewhat. This, these have buttons that you can um, d- design your own uh, inserts for. Funnily uh, enough, I was my I, Amazon drew my attention to that very same product <laughs> this morning, and. Um, there was an interesting thing. If you if you check through the reviews, mm. the guy the, there's somebody had found the mini version of it. Yes, there is a mini version. Yes, with just six buttons on it. But yeah. um, I believe this, this we could come back to this later on in the podcast because um, of the of the subject matter. But uh, it's interesting that again, it, like you did, you you practiced due diligence, did your research yeah. rather than just going on a pure impulse buy because of the discount, and that's definitely worth doing, whether it's Black Friday or not. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely worth doing that. It's definitely worth worth seeking out second opinions from various different people all the time at the moment. Um, and certainly, I mean, I, on average, I get uh, one email a week from various peers of mine asking about what Windows system should I buy um, to to run Pro Tools on. And you, you have to start from a base point of saying, well, it's different for everybody. But there are certain things that you can you can find out generically around from lots of different people about how they feel about it, which is worth you know it's worth asking more than one person. It's definitely worth asking asking more than just your one trusted source. Maybe even you know push the boat out a bit. Go to somebody you've never talked to about the subject before and say, "What do you think about it?" Because you might actually find an aspect to it that will take you completely by surprise, but is very relevant. Yes. Definitely, no, very wise. The other thing I wanted to explore was whether there was anything that you went looking for, shall we say, um, with this particular season of special offers and then decided you weren't going to do it. I, I have to say I did. I was thinking, oh, I need a few more hard drives. Um, 
I'm going to have a look and see what offers are on. And yes, there were offers, but in reality, when you actually looked at the discounts that were being offered in the Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals, they were a very, you know, 2%, 3% if that. And I'm thinking, I'm actually not prepared to put the money down because the offer, the deal is not good enough. And essentially, none of you were offering really the, what exactly what I was looking for. So I walked away on that one. I certainly went looking for SSDs, large capacity SSDs, and didn't find any. And... Now, small capacity SSDs by the bucket. Yeah, yeah, loads and loads and loads of those. Though I did see one that came in late today, uh, which was a one terabyte um, Samsung SSD. Mm -hmm. So for yeah. all the Mac users, that's good because you can enable trim. Mm -hmm. um, and that was going for 115 Wow. A terabyte, which that was is good. For yes. a terabyte, which is very, very good. So mm. I don't know what uh, what grade stock it was, whether they've just got a whole bunch that fell off the back of a lorry or whatever, but... Um, yeah, that's so that that that's the best deal I saw out there. But by the time I saw that, I'd already spent more than enough on other stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> I I I was very much sitting on my wallet this weekend. I mean, it was kind of it's it it reaches a point of saturation where you just kind of go actually, you know, and it, it becomes a little off putting. And um, I, I felt it this year in a way that I haven't in other years. Um, Actually, I mean, my, my best ever Black Friday purchase I'm wearing right now, which is my, my headphones, which I bought a couple of years ago. And um, uh, that happy day when I remembered that open-backed headphones exist mm. and went, oh, I should get some of them. And, I mean, I wear these all day, every day. And I couldn't, I just, I couldn't do that with closed-back headphones. They're so enclosing, <laughs> for want of a better <laughs> word. But you know what I mean? There's something, it's a very different experience and uh, mm. fantastic. And I mean, yeah, I've absolutely had my money's worth out of these many times over. But something I did Pray notice... tell what they are. Oh, I think we've been here before. Um, this is where I have to take them off to look. They're Sennheisers, yeah. but exactly which ones I'm going to have to look. <laughs> uh, HD 598SEs. Okay, there we go. Not, not mm -hmm. expensive, but extremely comfortable, and you you know you can just wear them all day, which is uh, which is what happens most days, frankly. Um, there's there's a there's a very common thing that I come across. I go, oh no, you can't have open back because uh, yes, you can. What <laughs> you can unless what? you're unless you're um uh, unless you're tracking something with a click track, yes. um, next to an open mic or something. But I mean, I I record all of my voiceovers and stuff like that with open back headphones on, and it just doesn't matter. Well, as long as you're not a drummer, basically, and having got them fold back wound up to yeah, to eleven, heaven forbid, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, no, the thing I was going to say with the Black Friday thing is something that I noticed this year, and I didn't look too closely. I don't know exactly what they were doing, but I just went, really, was Apple were involving themselves in Black Friday, and I went, really, mm, and well, uh, yes, they weren't they discounting were... goods. They looked like they were offering like kind of an incentive to buy with gift vouchers or something. That's, or... Yes, exactly. That but was, to that go was there at all you know the company who do not discount mm. and are above that kind of vulgar mm. activity so yeah that was very interesting and I, I wondered whether they could read anything into that whatsoever but unless they were offering brand new max with 40 percent discounts then i just frankly wasn't going there so well, a, a that's never going to happen but <laughs> b again it's it's about who do you believe? What do you believe? And all this sort of thing. It's, Mike, we use the A word in front of Alan. Yeah, <laughs> I well, know. No, exactly. But you can also say the same about Microsoft as well, because I've noticed that Microsoft have been pushing really hard. I got Black, Black Friday, Friday and Monday. Cyber Monday things from Microsoft, like they were going out of fashion. Yeah. Yeah. So and so, if you if you look at what the reported market strength of both companies are, and versus the, the seeming desperate desperation of all the various offers that are coming out you, know, you say for, like like you said yourself it's it's completely unusual for apple to be doing any kind of offer the uh, most so, unusual I mean, this... the most unusual uh, or unexpected notification i got about anything to do with black friday uh, turned up on my phone and it was um uh, as well as the excellent tc uh, polytune um oh yes tuner plugin yes plugin uh, app 
is the word I, I want. Um, I also I also tried the, uh, one from Fender called Fender Tune, which I quite like because it, it does some different instruments. It does things like sort of re-entrant tuning for ukuleles and things, and I haven't really used it. However, I got a notification about a Black Friday deal via that app, which was like, really? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had to go in and switch off notifications for that app, which I really hadn't thought about at all. But, yeah, your guitar tuner plug-in is trying to sell you Black Friday deals. I mean, this is kind of like, <laughs> what on earth is going on? So, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I think we shall move along and uh, move on to our community feedback sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. The Pro Tools Expert Community Feedback is brought to you with the kind support of RSPE Audio Solutions. Great people and great prices. Well, our friends at RSPE are proud to welcome Amphion Studio Monitors to their lineup and also to announce a special finance offer. Until December 31st, 2018, if you buy any Amphion Studio Monitor system, you'll get one year of interest-free financing on approved credit. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the podcast article. So if that's of interest to you, then uh, you can follow that. And and actually, we haven't got any community feedback this, uh, this week, uh, so we'll carry on moving along uh, and move along to our questions from the community that are sponsored by Vanguard Audio Labs Microphones. Pro Tools Experts' questions from the community are proudly supported by Vanguard Audio Labs Microphones. I'm voiceover professional Bill Rogers, and this was recorded with the Vanguard V13. Vanguard Audio Labs are a microphone brand based in Southern California who are punching well above their weight with their small yet perfectly formed and sensibly priced range of condenser microphones. You can find out more about Vanguard Audio Labs at the link in the podcast notes. Also check out James's recent testing session of the Vanguard V1 stereo pair and lollies. Mm, yeah, so if you see if you see pictures of Vanguard mics, you, the lolly will totally make sense when you see see the picture. But uh, yeah, if you haven't, just follow that one out. Check that one out, and it will all make eminent sense. Adrian Bell's been in touch. I have a session that was all fine. Then I opened it recently and the track I was recording on will no longer enable record. It's a strange mystery to me. Why on this track can I no longer click the red record button to get it to be record enabled? Well, I suspect, Adrian, it's probably a routing issue. Uh, Either the input or the output routing to that track would be something I would check. Uh, Yes, Pro Tools should never change the routing, uh, but uh, any of us who've used Pro Tools for long enough well know that and disk allocation have a habit. Well, certainly disk allocation back in the day certainly had a habit of changing mm. its mind. Um, but uh, yes, I would certainly check your input and output routing. Uh, Alan, any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's... Uh, the the I would say maybe your I/O setup has changed. Um, have you imported? Have you imported an, a session from somebody else's system at any point recently? Um, you know, suddenly you can find that your yeah your inputs that you had all all lined up are are now completely different. And uh, you know, when you click record on some on a track, it it will say that. But generally. Pro Tools, I don't know what version he's running, but it generally is a bit more um, user-friendly than that. It generally tells you why you can't enable record. It doesn't say there's no valid input or no valid output, doesn't it? Yes. So um, unless he's just missing that that, that error message, then it, I don't know where that – well, I don't think it could be anything um, anything more sinister. Could maybe one of the drives he that track's allocated to – um, is flipped yeah, into read-only mode. Yeah, that's that. But again, it it seems as though it, it. I'm not. It's not totally clear from what he says whether he can't make the button go red or whether it's it's a simply it won't. When you go try and go record, nothing gets recorded. Again, Adrian, I'm afraid it's a typical case where, with a little bit more information, we may be able to be somewhat more helpful because. Uh, you haven't told us which operating system you're using. You haven't told us which version of Pro Tools you're using. Um, but I think 
we generally are pointing in the direction of input output routing uh, and uh, disk allocation uh, is the sort of areas to look at okay um next one sir wrench sadasvian's been in touch i'm using pro tools 10 my system configuration is i7 4790k cpu uh, a 4 gig processor 16 gig of RAM, uh, 64 bit operating system. I have one Samsung Graphite MF8 MIDI control surface. It doesn't seem to be working with Pro Tools. Can you help me, please? So, presumably, this is a Windows thing uh, with the way he's uh, specified his uh, system specs uh, and Pro Tools 10. Um, Alan, you got a thought? Yeah, well, um, there's one little thing that that really <laughs> messed me up when I first started using Pro Tools on uh, Windows, and that was once uh, they went to Windows Seven, uh, it, they did away with all the MIDI stuff in the in the sound setup page. Um, so Windows just didn't recognise that MIDI existed anymore. Uh, and there's one very um, Small but important thing that you have to do in order to enable MIDI with Pro Tools in Windows, and that's to make sure that whenever you run Pro Tools, you are running as administrator. Now, that's the thing. So you can actually go, if you go to your Pro Tools shortcut, you can actually right-click it and select properties, and there is a menu option in there to always run as administrator. Or if you don't want to enable that permanently, then you can just right-click on the icon and select Run as Administrator whenever you fire it up. That should get your MIDI back. Um, that's, I mean, it's it's a very sort of little-known little tweak, and I'm absolutely sure that it's all because of the way that, um, for the last few years, Windows has been absolutely studiously ignoring MIDI and saying, no, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I used to be yeah, in a band it, with someone like that, studiously <laughs> ignoring MIDI for a... <laughs> anyway, sorry, Karen. Yeah, so that that's a little thing. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's not well enough known about, really, uh, if, if, if you ask me, but uh, and it's, it's surely something that... Um, that Avi could write around somehow. I'm I'm certain of that. But uh, yeah, in the in the meantime, give that a go. Um, and also, uh, if you're running Pro Tools 10 on a um, 64-bit operating system, you're really not getting the best out of it. So um, upgrade to Windows 11 or later. Oh, sorry, not Windows 11 or later. Pro Tools <laughs> 11 or later, um, and you will witness such an increase in performance you mm. will not believe it is there any possibility that this samsung graphite uh midi controller is not uh going to play with pro tools in terms of drivers and and that because we're talking a midi controller and of course if presumably it can't pretend to be a huey interface for instance it's never going to work with pro tools uh, I had to look up what this what this surface is actually. Um, let's have a look and see. Um, Samsung MF8. I've never heard of that before. Oh, it's a it's a um, little baby. It's a it's a MIDI controller. So yeah, yeah, it's just keyboard, isn't it? So that shouldn't be having any problems with because it's not using Huey as such. Yeah, but it's got little it's, faders and stuff. It's a control surface. Yeah, but so does my um, my my core microcontrol. But it's still a, it's still a, it sends MIDI values over over yeah. over MIDI for that sort of thing. Um, I can never make the faders on my MIDI on my um, microcontrol control the automation on Pro Tools. It just mm. doesn't doesn't talk on that same level. So um, I would basically say, I would definitely say I mean most MIDI interfaces, despite the fact that Windows are ignoring MIDI completely, most MIDI interfaces seem to be relatively plug and play on Windows. So um, I would. I would try the run as administrator first and then secondarily check all your drivers and everything like that as well. Uh, make sure they're up to date. Um, and yeah, and um, grasp that 64-bit goodness with both hands. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Thank you.
If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Hi, you're listening to the Pro Tools Expert Podcast Find of the Week, proudly sponsored by Synchro Arts. Why don't you take advantage during the Synchro Arts end of year sale with over 30% off new licenses of Vocal Line Project, Vocal Line Pro, and the new Revoice Pro 4, and over 40% off selected upgrade pass across the product range. This sale will run until midnight on December the 16th, so don't miss out this opportunity to sink and save. So, um, find of the week. Uh, we've kind of alluded to some of these in our um, earlier comments about uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, Julian, you were being a little coy, I think, about naming yours, so yeah. now is the time. It's, I wish it was more exciting, but it's exciting to me. This is a perfect example of uh, buying something when it comes up discounted on Black Friday, which you were going to buy anyway. Actually, I thought I had bought it, but clearly it's one of those things where I was going to buy something and had decided to buy it and then some email arrived or something and I did something yeah. else and I never did. Mm. But a few weeks ago, um, uh, based on based on Russ making a bit of a noise yeah. about it on the podcast, I think, um, uh, he'd been talking about Clean My Mac. And I went, oh, actually... Yeah, I, I should need to get that because um uh, because my Mac is in a right old state and um yeah it came up with a discount and um it's, it's not very expensive anyway I mean it's about thirty five mm. pounds was it or dollars mm. I I can't remember actually and it was and it was about it was about twenty five or something but I bought it anyway and yeah I mean it's it's a really nicely designed piece of software that just kind of doesn't trouble you at all with what it's up to which makes me nervous. Mm. Because I did think, okay, you're clearing out countless gigabytes of something now. I hope that's okay. I have just, because I trust you so little, I have just cloned my drive. So everything should be okay. But, yeah, I didn't want to end up sounding like that guy who uh, was being reported online as trying to take Adobe to court because of some oh, yes. auto-cache clearing thing that Premiere's got and he's lost all of his all of his footage and, uh, yeah. 20 years worth of work. Oh, Adobe's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. never taken yeah, a backup there, my friend. Yeah. You know, but anyway, never mind. No, We're not no. going there. I bought Clean no. My Mac. It works. It does what it says. It's, it's really rather nice. So, yeah. Mm. My I've always found it remarkably ironic that Macs need software like this. and But I have actually myself taken advantage of that very software myself, and it has absolutely rescued my system. And it does seem to be very um, DAW friendly as well. So. Yes. Um, yeah, I, w- I would certainly recommend that software as well. Um, definitely, the yeah. latest version, the this this X version, has a lot more features to it than the version three, which I had before. I've got this now as mm. well, and a uh, lot a lot going for it. So definitely would uh, would agree with that. Uh, Alan, what's your find of the week? Uh, well, yes, I um, just got hold of a new tv for the studio i've pushed the boat out a little bit and got a a 4k tv uh which is a samsung 7 series whatever that means um but it appears to be able to play anything over anything it's got lan connections wi-fi connections it's got netflix everything built into it and everything like that but most importantly it upreses uh 1080 pictures coming into it to 4k if I had, if Pro Tools was capable of playing 4K, then I'd be able to put it out to the screen as well. Um, otherwise, but Pro Tools isn't to... capable of 4K. Presumably, 1080p is is the highest that Pro Tools can do now. Uh, at the moment, yes, it seems that way. Um, I have. Well, that is the strange thing. The other day, I was sent a 4K file and not realizing, dragged it into Pro Tools and it played it out. But who knows? I, I, I don't know whether that was just Pro Tools doing some elaborate juggling in the background and what have you. But what I do know with this with this new TV, um, I was expecting to have the similar situation I've had before when I've increased in the size of a screen in that I actually don't think it looks any better because you're taking the same resolution and you're pushing mm. it across a larger screen. However, with this one, with the automatic upscaling on it, 
I've been really pleasantly surprised. And it's a bit like you, you, you buy yourself a new pair of monitors or a new pair of headphones and suddenly you're hearing lots of things you never heard before. Um, definitely on the screen, I'm seeing a depth of color, a depth of brightness, deeper blacks and everything like that on the same footage than I was before. And it just goes to show how much the screens are developing and everything yeah. like that uh, on, on, uh, on, on the run up to it. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say if you're starting to think that everything looks soft focus on your screen, you know, push up and, and get some more. And in the, in funny enough, the, the price differential is, is minimal now as well. It's almost less expensive to buy a 4K than it is to try and get hold of a 1080. Mm. Interesting. Um, because they're just, they're just not held in stock and they're yeah. just not available. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, as a sound person, I never thought I would be in the market for a 4K TV, but I found myself in that way. And it's, uh, I, I think remarkable. it's interesting that, you know, because one of the things when we were talking about, you know, televisions before and the sort of quality and, you know, looking at all the different ones in a, in a showroom, I, I think one of the parameters, because as we rightly pointed out, there's, a, you know, there's a smaller number of actual LCD screen panels but one of the things that seems to make a big difference, I think, is essentially how the uh, content, the video content, is sent to the screen and the uh, decoding software, the, the, the codecs that are in the television, how they actually handle the video. Because if you've got two televisions with essentially the same screen and looking very different... Mm. Um, what I tend to look at for for quality is looking around, you know, the graphics, the text, and seeing whether you can see the sort of um, JPEG aliasing sort yeah. of around it. If you can, no, not for me. If you can't, job done. And again, I, I think you've hit on a point is how good the upscaling is. Because if you've got lower grade stuff, if you, you know, in... For, for a lot of consumers, we may still have DVDs, which are essentially standard definition, uh, unless you've got Blu-ray. Um, how that is upscaled to present it on a on a 1080p television uh, that can make a huge difference to the to the perceived quality. But in the same way as speakers as well, it's it definitely follows the uh, the garbage in garbage out rule, yeah. uh, which certainly I mean. Um, yeah, I, I, I've noticed it more on this TV series that I've been working on and some of the trailers that I've been doing where I have been sent um, full broadcast resolution MXF files or ProRes files, and they just look stunning, absolutely mm. stunning. When they put out the black magic card straight into the TV, just incredible what they look like. And um, but then you know, you're talking about a gigabyte per thirty seconds. <laughs> so yeah, that, you, you are yes. going to get good results like that. It's like sticking a ninety-six k thirty-two bit WAV out through your speakers yeah. instead of your, instead of your forty-four. Oh, there's a whole conversation there though. One hundred twenty-eight mp three. Don't really have that one at this end of the show. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. So Mike, what about you? What about you? What's what's yours? Well, uh, I've already talked about it in many respects. It's the Elgato Stream Deck. Um, I, as I say, I like pressing buttons, and I like to be able to have dedicated buttons uh, for muscle memory. So you know, I use keyboard shortcuts. I've used them for years and years. People often ask me, what's the shortcut for this? And I have to press the buttons because I can't. I, yeah. it's just in muscle memory. I can't tell you which buttons I'm pressing. I have to, I have to do it, and then, oh, yes, it's that one, that one, and that one. Um but the idea of having uh, buttons at which you can then reassign and the labels change, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to pl to playing with this one. I'm I'm been waiting for the full keyboard version of that. Yes, um, which I saw many years ago from some Russian company, uh, and Euphonics actually implemented it to a smaller scale on the uh, original. Um, System 5 consoles mm. as well. They had the switchable OLED yeah. uh, buttons on them as well, didn't they? But, I mean, the the, the, the the review pictures I've seen of that little box are just stunning. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm amazed that you can just get any JPEG and put it on the key. Yeah. It's just brilliant. So and You could even yeah. put people's faces on it, <laughs> whichever you want to do. Yeah. 
So uh, we shall see how that goes uh, in due course. I shall report back uh, how I've got on. Um, and on that, uh, it's time to uh, to pull up stumps. So it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Goodbye. Okay,